Well, welcome, friends. This is Halfway There. I'm your host, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for joining us. This is a show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. And today we have a great story for you. She hosts her own podcast. She's a motivational speaker and a transformational life designer. So that's interesting. Can't wait to hear about that. Uh, My guest is Penny Zelenkoff. Penny, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. I am glad to have met you and can't wait to hear your story. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing now. Uh, well, actually, uh, interestingly enough, that this fits right in line with with your show. So about two and a half years ago, I started a personal journey. Uh, my life was was what I would call a mess. Uh, I was in kind of a situational fog and, and kind of a depression, so to speak. And so I decided to take my life back and I went on this personal journey. And in discovering myself, I discovered my true purpose. And, you know, a lot of that was having to do with prayer, having to do with asking why am I on this earth? What is my purpose? What is my goal? What is my why? And as I discovered that, I didn't go through the traditional way. A lot of times we look at, you know, what jobs have we done? Um, what are the things that that we've done? And I actually went a little bit in a different direction. I looked at what was my God-given skill set? And when I determined that um, one of the things that I used to do, or I used to be good at, as I say, I still am, but haven't used for a while, is I love to motivate individuals for action. And I love doing that by motivational speaking, by mentoring, by training. And so that was something that about a year, year and a half ago, I decided to pivot my career. I've been a real estate investor for 15 years, and it's been a wonderful career. It has brought me to where I'm at today. But I decided God really has has, um, put a calling on my heart, and that was to help other individuals out there in the world to help with their transformational life design. Um, and that's kind of what I've been through over the last two and a half years. Yeah. So it sounds like you went through a crisis and found a purpose. Absolutely. I think we all have crisis. Um, you know, some of us more than others and some of us all at once. I feel like my life crisis had uh, a separation. I went through a divorce. I moved out of state. I had to restart my business. My health was in in poor condition. I was overweight. It was just like everything was falling apart. My my spiritual uh, strength was was wavering, and so I really kind of I was in a fog. Most days, it, it took everything out of me just to wake up, take care of my two little doggies, um, do the absolute necessary things that I had to do that day in my life, and just go back to bed. And uh, one morning, as I started to kind of get over the fog and start really wanting to re-empower myself, redesign my life. Uh, I said, no more, you know, I need to, Mm. I need to take control back. I need to take my self-confidence and my power back. Yeah. Well, that moment of decision is really important. And it's, it's one of those things that propels us into something new, right? Absolutely. I love that. Okay. So tell us about, I want to go back in your story and we'll we'll work our way back up to that moment because I want to hear that moment in more detail, but Take us back to your your story. Um, you know, I don't know anything about you. So, where'd you grow up? What you know? What'd your parents do? Absolutely. Um, well, I was blessed, or I feel like I was blessed in the sense that when I was a little girl, when we were six years old, I was born on the mainland, um, and my dad actually got a job transfer from Michigan, if you can believe it. We lived in Clawson, Michigan. And he worked for a company called Coopers and Librand. He was a CPA at the time, still was his entire career. And he was able to get a job transfer to Hawaii. 
So I was actually raised on the islands. I was uh, started off on Oahu, on the on the uh, island where Waikiki and Honolulu is, and then we moved to the Big Island for high school, uh, and then I went back to Honolulu for college and went to Chaminade University. So that's a that's a little yeah. bit of where I came from. I, I had a great childhood. Uh, as we were being raised in the islands, um, my mom was Lutheran. That's a little bit of our our you know religious Christian background. Uh, so we were raised in the Lutheran Church. Um, but to be honest with you, my dad was Jewish. So that was kind of a um, an interesting combination way back in the '60s and early '70s. Yeah. And um, I was a little confused, but but my parents decided to raise us Christians. So we grew up in the in the Lutheran Church and and went to Catholic school for middle school and, and college and part of my, um, well, middle school, high school, and part of my college, I was at Catholic school. So kind of a little bit of a mutt when it comes to religion <laughs> growing up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Um, so as a guy who grew up in Iowa, I'm a little jealous that you got to grow up in Hawaii. That's that's cool. Um, but the, uh, so you, so faith-wise, it sounds like you had all these kind of different influences. What, uh, when did your faith become your own and how did you kind of those strands together? Yeah, that's a great question, Eric. Thank you. Um, yeah, because when you're a little kid or, or even, you know, when you're first born and you're a little kid, really it's your parents or the people in your life that make those decisions for you. And so it probably wasn't until I would say late into high school and even into early college that I decided um, what did I want to be? Um, because I was influenced and the decisions were made. Uh, I did have three different types of religion. Uh, Lutheran and Catholic are similar under the umbrella of Christianity, though they have a, a little bit of their differences in their faith and their traditions. And I didn't really know a lot about Judaism. Um, we really didn't do that much. We did the menorah during Hanukkah, and, and we did the uh, 24-hour candle on my grandma's passing. But other than that, I really mm. did not have a lot of background in, in my Jewish um, traditions. And so kind of at the end of high school and, and beginning of college, um, I really took a path. And, and what I decided to do was um, I didn't necessarily agree. Um, and this is no disrespect in any way. I didn't necessarily agree with the traditions and the rituals and the laws of the Lutheran and the Catholic uh, churches. I was a very inquisitive child. And so I asked a lot of questions. And for me, a lot of the answers were just because that's the way we do it, or don't ask the questions, just do it. Um, and, and that was just my personal experience. And so, you know, I never got some of the questions that I was curious about answered or, you know, why did you do the the Hail Mary? Why did you do the ro rosary? Why did you do confession? Or why do we have communion? Why were some of these things? It was just, that's because that's what we did. And right. so I kind of went away a little bit from the more traditional um, church and decided in college that I wanted to be more what I would consider non-denominational or more Bible-based. Mm -hmm. And so I joined a Bible study that was at my college. And so that's when I decided to really go uh, more of a Bible-based, more non-traditional uh, Christian pathway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So I can see that where like Catholic and um, or Roman Catholic and Lutheran are very sort of high church kind of kind of settings, very traditional. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking while you're talking, I interviewed a gentleman named Tony Weeder. He's was on the podcast a month or so ago. And he, uh, he actually, he grew up Muslim in Liberia, but he had the same kind of thing. He was, he was inquisitive. He had questions like, why do we do this? What? And it was the questions that led him to the Lord. And I thought, well, that's, mm -hmm. that's fascinating that, uh, you know, it was also the questions that you had that nobody could answer. 
that led you to look right. for something else, you know, like, well, how can we answer these then? Yeah. Well, and I guess because I wasn't getting the answers and maybe I didn't continue to prod. Um, I, I was inquisitive, but once I got roadblocks over and over again, I just kind of stopped and went in maybe the, the direction of least resistance. And so I had a friend in college that was in this Bible study. His name was Eric and he invited me to the Bible study and we met once a week. Uh, I don't remember. It was in, a, in an evening, maybe a Wednesday or Thursday night for about an hour, an hour and a half. And it was people of my age. And so you know, we would pick a Bible a verse to study or a book to study. And, and, you know, we would read that and then we would pray and, you know, have discussion. And so to me, that was much more um, Christian based faith for me. And he actually was the one who gave me my first Bible. Um, oh, cool. So uh, he wrote in it and gave me my first Bible and I still have that Bible today. So oh, that's awesome. So is there a time when you were in that Bible study or maybe one later that you that something that you studied or read really just kind of struck you and you learned something new about the Lord that you hadn't known before. And can you tell us that story? Oh, I'm sure there's a lot question. of them, but is there one like you can just pull out as a, as an example to show us kind of what that learning period for was like for you? Um, I would, you know, I, I there's a real, there was a, a real dark time actually that was later in my life um, that just pops into my head. So that's that's the story sure. that I'm going to share with you. So unfortunately, um, probably about 20 years ago, uh, I was in a relationship and it wasn't um, a healthy relationship. It was um, verbally and, and became physically abusive, unfortunately. And I just remember going away for a weekend with my Bible study group. Um, this was obviously different because I was an adult now and in a different geographical location. And we went away for a weekend. We were on the Oregon coast. And um, we just had just this most overwhelming, peaceful weekend. There wasn't anything that I, that a Bible verse or anything that happened, but I just really, in all of this turmoil and everything that was going on in my life and, and, kind of being fearful and not sure in what direction I was going and, and having, you know, different messages. On one hand, I was supposed to stay and make my marriage work. And on the other hand, I was in this bad relationship. And, and so, you know, I, I was really struggling with that message, with that message, you know, on one hand, you're supposed to, to stay and make things work and work it out. On the other hand, you're in a, a volatile uh, situation. And I just remember going away to the Oregon coast and being with, there was about six of us on a Bible study weekend and just praying and being at peace. And I just said, you know, Lord, just, just take me, you know, mm. just whatever it is you want me to do, show me the path, show me the direction. And I actually decided that weekend to be rebaptized in the ocean. So the people that were there, we went out to the ocean and, and rebaptized me in the ocean. And I, I remember coming back after that weekend and I, again, I was still struggling, you know, what do I do um, with regards to being in this relationship? And I had a dream. I just remember having this very, very vivid dream that week when I came back. And I was at the beach and my former um, husband was at the beach with me. And there was somebody in my dream, there was somebody out in the ocean and they were drowning, or at least they looked like they were drowning. Their, you know, their hands were flaying, failing and what I would consider, you know, them probably calling for help or whatever. And I just looked at him and I said, this was in my dream, of course. I said, we got to go out there. We got to help this person. We got to take care of this person. We got to go get them. You know, I think they're drowning. And I remember very, very distinctly looking at my, um, my ex-husband and he looked at me and he said, no. And he turned around and walked away. And I 
I was horrified. And so I just started paddling. I just started swimming out there to try to try to find this person. And as I approached the individual who was out in the middle of the ocean um, and I saw the face, the face was me. And so it was me looking at me and me saving me. And as I got to myself out there in the, in the ocean, I just remember this big booming voice saying, I've got you. It's okay. <laughs> and even to, to wow. this day, it gives me chills. So that, that to me is probably the most vivid experience that I would say that I've experienced for my faith and the walk, the walk with God and just knowing that he is there for you no matter what situation you're in. Yeah, Absolutely. That's powerful. How did you know to trust the dream? Well, I had been going to church on a regular basis. Um, and so I was pretty strong in my faith at that point. It was in my early 30s, mm -hmm. um, early to mid 30s. And so I was just really strong. I had good people around me. I had strong faith around me. And I don't know, I guess it was, it was really just trust and faith. And yeah. because I had never experienced that type of message before, I felt like it had to be from God. There was no other explanation. Um, so it was really just, you know, ironic. It's just really a leap of faith that I just knew that what I was being told and that I would be okay, it just gave me peace. And I knew that that was the right message and the right direction I was supposed to be in, that I was, I through God was supposed to take care of myself and rescue myself and I guess get out of that bad situation. Yeah. And he would carry you through it. Yeah. Interesting. I asked that question. I've been not, I've been reflecting on this recently, you know, um, cause I grew up basically a cessationist, like God doesn't speak to us anymore. Um, and, and I, I get why that is, but the, uh, what's interesting to me is, you know, all these, all of us who we love to study Paul and his letters and all these things. But if, Paul came up to us and said, Hey, I had a dream of a Macedonian guy and we should go over there. Like we'd all go, what? You, I don't think you're crazy. Right. Why would we trust the dream? And so I think that's really interesting that you, you know, because you were strong in your faith, you were able to go, this is, this is the Lord and the way that this resonates in my heart, then I can, I can trust that. And it sounds like it was a difficult situation all the way around. And you really had to, had to go toward what was going to lead you into wholeness. It was. And I think part of a follow-up from that, you know, as far as trusting the dream was just the constant prayers. And I guess just talking to God and trying to listen in the quiet, the quietness and just saying, okay, God, if this is the direction you want me to go open the door and show me that you're opening the door or, you know, give me a sign kind of a thing. And so I guess when, when it says I trusted the dream, I trusted the dream. And then I continued to pray about it, continued to ask for, you know, those signs or the doors to be open in the right direction that I was supposed to go to and that I would be able to recognize that um, when it happened. And then I really just trusted my gut. I trusted the feeling, you know, when I, when I would pray, I would ask, uh, I would ask myself and, and, and thus asking God to give me a feeling within my body. Is this the right feeling? And I think when you're when you're raised in faith and when you're raised with a foundation, you know what's right or wrong. You know, in your heart of hearts and souls of souls, you know what's right and wrong and what's good and bad. And so when you listen, when you get quiet with yourself and you listen to, you know, that inner voice or you listen to how your body reacts to questions that you ask it, I think that's also part of faith. And I think that's also a part of how God 
helps us know if we're going in the right direction. So after that experience, I would ask myself, you know, do you want me to leave? Or, you know, should I be going in this path? And then I would just sit there and I would listen to how my body reacted. And if my, if my body reacted and my subconscious reacted in a positive way, I felt that that was another sign in which God was telling me that was the right direction to go. So I didn't always see additional signs, you know, mm-hmm. visually, um, but I would hear them through the quietness uh, of what we call today meditation or prayer yeah. and also felt it within my body. Yeah, certainly, you know, contemplative prayers like that, right? Getting getting quiet, being being just uh, there before the Lord, and and sometimes it's not even speaking, right? It's just letting him letting him speak to you. Um, how'd you learn to do that? Because that's not common uh, for most people. Oh gosh, um, that's a really good question. I I don't know how that I know the answer for back then because it's been a while. Um, well, did you have people who were teaching you that or was it just kind of a, you know, something that you knew to do intuitively? I, I feel like, um, and I apologize. My memory's a little vague on this. I feel like I read a book, Mm. um, or read some type of message somewhere through my, um, through my church, through my Bible study that, that kind of explained that methodology that, that explained that stillness. Um, and so I, I, I'm sorry that I don't have a better answer for you, Eric. I wish I had more, more clear, distinct answer for, you know, several decades ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, no, I know it's a long time. Uh, I'm a little bit older now and it, I don't quite remember what I remember and what I can share with you now in my experience is that I've been through a mentor and coaching program as well as through the church now. And so as I quiet my world and I stopped the busyness of my world consciously through prayer and meditation, which I do on a daily basis. That's how I do it now. Mm. And so I I feel like that experience back then has given me the knowledge uh, and the direction to do it now. But I I, want to say it was was probably something I read that kind of gave me that suggestion to to kind of be still and, and to pray and meditate and just to listen to the kind of almost like put a pros and cons list and then yeah. feel what your body feels when you're when you're going through that. So I do apologize. I don't no, remember I think, specifics. I think that's fine. It's great. You know, I, I asked because I'm as an evangelical, I always I've said for a long time that we tell each other to read the Bible and pray, which I believe in a thousand percent. But we very seldom teach each other how to do that. And so we had like um like I had to go outside of the evangelical tradition to a Jesuit uh, retreat house here in Colorado to learn how to do imaginative prayer because I was never going to get that in, you know, in, uh, in the evangelical world, probably. Now there's starting to be some of those people, but I'm always curious, like, how do you, how do you pick that up? Because it's not, not necessarily normal and even in a non-denominational church. Um, and so it's, it's profound. Um, okay. So Take us into your practice, though, because I'm really interested in this. I think our friends listening will uh, have uh, been some benefit from that, learning about that what that practice looks like for you uh, practically. And then, um, you know, I guess you've told us about some of the insights you've gotten from it. But like what, you know, how could how could somebody practice that if they wanted to? So there's probably three or four things that I do on a day to day basis that I would consider um, spiritual. Uh, and it's it's not 
only just reading the Bible or reading scripture and, and praying on that. But um, so in the mornings, so I have a morning routine. I find it very important to have a morning routine. And, and there's several books on there. There's several authors. There's several coaches that teach the importance of having a morning routine. And, and I agree with that. I think when I first wake up, I think it's important. And I have actually three different methods in which I get scripture for the day. Um, I have my own uh, Bible app, of course, which gives me a, a scripture or reading for the day that allows me to to read and meditate, and that's random. Uh, I also have a friend who texts me every morning um, a message that that she has read and that's on her heart. And so sometimes it's very interesting how two or three of these random messages will come into your life at the same time and help you with that issue that you're uh, working with or you know a decision that you're working on. And then the other area on the Bible app is I have uh, daily plans. And so there's there's things that I look at. So like if I'm wanting to to deal with, you know, like what I call being happy or, you know, how to, to lead like Jesus or, you know, looking for different topics, I'll look through that plan on the app or you can do it in your Bible. Um, I do have the, the Bible on my on my phone as well. And so I kind of just sit and I, I read these different um, messages, these different passages, and I read the plan for the day and just kind of reflect on that. So that's the first thing in the morning that I do. Um, and I try to do that in the morning because in general, and I think we all probably have a similar circumstance, it seems to be the most quiet, even if you're up before your family or, you know, up before your dogs or, you know, up before, you know, the busyness of your workday. Uh, it's just a really quiet time. And so a lot of times I'll reflect. And then during the day, there's two other things that I like to do. Number one, I like to put down a gratitudes journal. And so when I first started this practice over a year ago, uh, and I was in my fog that I shared with you before, the, sh the fog and the depression and just kind of the dark place, I, I started a gratitudes journal. And I will, I will just share with your listeners that sometimes it can be very difficult. Sometimes when you're depressed or you're down or you're in a difficult situation, you don't feel grateful. Um, but it is amazing that when you change your mindset by putting together just five simple gratitudes every day, you do start reflecting on this. And though it isn't necessarily, uh, you know, direct Christian based program or it's necessarily I'm reading this in the Bible, I feel like it's part of my Christian journey. It's part of my um, giving back to the world journey. And so when I started the gratitudes journal, I just had to put five down, just had to be grateful for five things. And I will be honest with you, I could not find some days five things I was grateful for. You know, there were some days where it was the basics. It was a roof over my fed head, excuse me, food in my belly, uh, the love of my two dogs, um, nice weather and something else. And as I started doing the gratitude journal, along with my morning prayer and my morning meditation, what I realized is that I, I, was grateful for a lot of things. You know, if someone called me that day and just reached um, out to me to say hi, that would be a part of my gratitude journal. Or if someone said, hey, I'm praying for you today, or someone likes something on Facebook. And so mm -hmm. I tried to start looking for just simple things that I would write down. And after that, I was like, well, it's not just about me. What else can I be grateful for other people in my life? You know, can I pray for my mom? Can I pray for my family? Can I pray for friends? Can I wish them well? And then I started saying, well, what can I do today that would make me proud of putting on my gratitude journal? So in addition oh, wow, to the prayer and the meditation, question. you know, I did the gratitude journal and, and that was, that's one of my daily routines that I do that helps me appreciate my surrounding, helps me appreciate what I have in life and helps me be a better person. 
Yeah, I love that. That is a great question. What can I do today that will make me proud to put it in my gratitude journal? That's that's awesome. That's, so I, I've heard uh, Cliff Ravenscraft says, and he might have got it from somebody else, but he says uh, the quality of our life is determined by the questions we ask ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yes. And that's so yeah. true. I don't, I don't know if he got that from Tony Robbins or somebody, but it's uh, totally true, right? That's Yeah, absolutely. Know, so that's one of those powerful absolutely. questions. I love that. I also love that you so your whole you're going through your morning routine and you're it sounds like you're really grounded in scripture, which I think is important because a lot of us will sometimes, you know, it can feel a little woo-woo to talk about uh meditating and, and wondering, you know. Um, but if you're grounded in scripture, then the the Lord is there, right? And he's he's going yeah. to speak to you through that. I love that. Very cool. Okay, well, thank you for all of that. Your your morning routine it sounds uh, sounds very good. Sounds like that keeps you uh, kind of grounded and and aware of of what the Lord's doing in your life. So I'm wondering, you know, I, I guess I don't have to ask the question. Normally, I ask the question, "What, um, you know, do you have a time when you felt like God was kind of far away, or you hit the wall?" And that sounds like this for you was a couple years ago. So. To, uh, take us into that if if that's the story you want to tell, and then uh, tell tell us tell us kind of how you started to come out of that and what you've learned about your walk with the Lord through it. Sure. Um, so yeah, probably about ten years ago, um, and it wasn't anything that really happened. It wasn't like a major event. I just kind of um, grew away. I stopped going to church. I stopped praying. I didn't have morning routine. Um, my life was a little bit chaotic. I was moving a lot, um, literally moving, you know, from mm-hmm. location to location. Um, so I didn't have that stability. I didn't have that regular church that I felt comfortable going to. And I just, I really just um, went away from the Lord. You're right. And I think what happens is that for me, when I don't have the Lord and I don't have the faith in my life, it becomes emotionally, spiritually, physically chaotic. And it becomes harder to handle. And I think for me, mentally, it's harder to handle, you know? So I think we all have challenges in our life, but when you have the Lord and you have the foundation of your faith, then it's much easier to know that there's something or someone or spiritual spirituality out there that, that helps you go through life and deal with life. So 10 years ago, when I was going through, you know, again, a challenging relationship and I was moving around a lot and I just didn't have a foundation and I didn't create or maintain that foundation for myself, my whole world just got chaotic, which is what led me to two and a half years ago. You know, I was going through a separation, filed for a divorce, decided that, you know, living in Colorado where I was, I needed a complete break. And so I packed up myself and my two dogs and my items and moved to Florida and moved to a place where I knew nobody. I didn't have a church base. I was situationally depressed. Uh, I wanted to be invisible. And, And I wouldn't necessarily say I blamed the Lord or I blamed faith. I just was out of faith, you know? Um, I just wasn't following a consistent routine. um, And I wasn't following um, my pathway. And so for me, I think one of the things that was very challenging is just realizing that I needed to get back to that foundation. I really needed, when I am Penny and when I am the best version of myself, I have had faith in my life. And so I think that's something that I had to remind myself. 
and I had to bring myself back into the Lord because because he leaves the door open for us. It's just a matter of whether we walk through it or not. And I had closed the door for a while, um, not necessarily intentionally, but it just happened in my life. And I went away and I knew that when I was at my best that I needed to be in the Lord. Can you identify looking back, like what was it that sort of led you in that direction? Which one? The, the in, in the out direction of, the Lord of away or back from the, the Lord. Lord. Yeah, away from the Lord. Away from the Lord. Um, that's a good question. Probably. So the relationship that I was in wasn't really faith based. We didn't have. We were both Christians, but I wouldn't say that we were. We both had the same belief system it, under Christianity. Mm-hmm. Um. I I don't want to blame the person that I was with and say that, you know, it was their fault that they took me away, but I allowed it to come between my walk with the Lord because I wanted to go to church. I wanted to have a spiritual relationship. And because of my choice, um, that person didn't necessarily want to have that same lifestyle. And so I allowed myself to go away from that. Um, and so I, I guess between the relationship and just being kind of kind of weak in my in my faith and weak and and being empowered to say no, this is what I want. If you're not the kind of person, or if we can't you know work this out together, then I need to go into a different direction. So I think part of it was I allowed myself to be taken down a different path, and I was also weak in the fact that I didn't protect myself and I didn't stand up for myself. So I was kind of lacking self-confidence and self-esteem at that point. Yeah, and there's something about our community. You mentioned it a couple of times. Certainly, the relationships that we have can move us in in a direction. So, you know, you have to you have to be careful of that. But also, you know, if you don't have community, you said you moved a lot, right? So if you don't have community around mm-hmm. you, that can be very um, shifting and, and unsettling uh, as well. And if and if you're not careful, you 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 can get off off course. Um, without even noticing. Right. And that's the interesting right. thing, you know, like you said, it started 10 years ago and then two years ago it came to a head. You kind of lose yourself and totally. you don't realize it because it happens slow and not as in your face as other situations happen. So, oh yeah. yeah, I get that. I get that. Um, and that's where practices come in really handy. Right. So, you mm-hmm. know, having these practices of meditating on scripture and inviting the Lord into your life, being aware of him in your life matters. Uh, so you're kind of thinking about about how he's he's active or how you're how you're relating to him. Wow. Okay. So you make this decision. You realize that the best version of yourself has faith in it. So you decide I'm going to go, and I'm I'm going to get back to that. Um, what what happened? What happened then? So the first thing I I do want to make sure to to mention because I'm a firm believer in this. Even though there are circumstances um, in our lives and outside of our lives that help us to go down a path. I, I am a strong believer that we need to take responsibility yeah. for our own actions and our own choices. So even though that there were people and circumstances back then, it was still ultimately my choice to go that to go down that direction. So two and a half years ago when I moved, um, I decided that one of the things that I needed to do was in taking back my life and taking back my power was to at least just go to church. Um, I decided that I was going to find a church. I went to four or five different churches to, find, to look at, you know, what was their message? What was their, um, 
you know, congregation like, what was their church like, how big they were, how small they were, you know, what was, I, I was looking for more of non-traditional. So I'm a little bit more in the modern when it comes to music and when it comes to Bible-based messages. Uh, and so I went to four or five different churches in my area just to see what I liked and what felt right. And I picked a church and I actually uh, go to a church called Deep Creek Community Church, DC3, um, in my local community. And it is a wonderful, wonderful church. Uh, if anybody's in the Florida, Punta Gorda area, um, I highly recommend it. But I went and I will tell you, though, when I went, I, I didn't go for the purpose of volunteering or getting involved or even being seen. I went to the church. I sat in the back row. Um, I prayed. I just needed God. I needed to be around that community, but I wasn't quite ready to be seen yet by the community, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I just decided, but I need to go on a regular basis. I need to get back that foundation, go on a regular basis, go to church, just have that feeling of the Lord with the music, with the message, um, and have that grounded groundedness every day, along with starting the daily routine. And it probably took me to be very honest with you. It took me about a year um, before really deciding that, okay, now I want to be seen. I want to volunteer. I want to get in Bible studies. Um, I want to help in the the church. I want to help in the community. I want to say hello to people when you meet and greet people. If you do that right. at your church, oh, yeah. uh, I wanted to say hi. And so I started doing that. And um, that was, you know, it's just little baby steps sometimes along the way that brings you back to your path. But it wasn't anything you know, huge. And like I said, the first year I was invisible. I didn't want to be seen. Um, I, I just wanted to start getting back to my faith. And quite honestly, I was probably a little bit embarrassed, um, you know, and not sure if the, if the Lord and the church would take me back. So, yeah. um, yeah, well, that's, that's certainly it. It's interesting. I've been thinking about this a lot too, that a lot of times, something you said, you said, I didn't really want to be involved. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to go and do these things. And sometimes we define spiritual maturity as how much we know and how much we do, right? But it's really how much we know ourselves in the Lord and how mm -hmm. much we know him and then um, you know, how much we love like Jesus. And that's a whole different kind of kind of character. And here you're kind of wrestling with that in that period of your life. Is that would you say that's right? Well, I think we all have that. We all have yeah. doubt and we all have to, you know, ask ourselves the questions and even have dialogue with other people and and you know be able to find um, the Bible studies and the, and the verses and the books and the Bible groups and, you know, the, the churches and the messages that resonate with us so that we can build on our faith. You know, if you just go for the sake of just going, because that's what you have to do, or that's what you're expected to do, or it looks good. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate that, but for me, it was much more of a, a bigger journey. Um, that I was on to try to figure out how do I get back to what I know I felt. And I know when I was strong in the Lord, how do I get back to that? And I just wasn't strong enough personally to do some of those things that were group oriented until I got stronger myself. And yeah. then, but you know, one of the things that I think is, is in the gratitudes is also in giving, you know, one of the messages that I've been by told by my coaches, you can't out give the system. And I think once you get over your fog or your depression or your situation and, and you build yourself back up personally and professionally and spiritually, you realize that you need a community. You need your church community. You need your friends. You need your Bible study groups. You need people to, to not 
to, to support you, but also so that you don't feel alone in your walk and your journey. Um, and then you want to be able to help these people and help the community. And, and so that's kind of a journey I'm on now is um, kind of figuring out how can I, uh, you can't outgive the system, so how can I give to the system? So that's, that's where I'm at. I'm very blessed with the journey I have come through in the last two and a half years and and the pathway that I've taken and the blessings and gratitudes I've had. And so now how can I give back is, is kind of where I'm at through my journey. Oh yeah. I love that. So you're giving back through a podcast and motivational yes. speaking and are you doing some coaching? Is that the, the life design? Mentoring and coaching. That's correct. Yeah. Yep. T- tell us about all of that and kind of how you found it. And then uh, the kind of things that you'd like to do. Sure. So the, it was kind of going back to the skill set. So um, about a year ago or so, I was like, okay, God, I love what I do, but I really don't feel like I'm making a big difference in this world. And I feel like God has given me a bigger why and a bigger purpose. And so about a year ago, I started just kind of determining what's my skill sets. And one of the things is I've had high energy. Uh, I love helping people live their better, be their better selves, live their better lives. And so I used to do coaching and motivational speaking for a volunteer organization years ago, and I absolutely loved it. And I stopped doing that. And I think that there was some fear um, and, and some uncertainty in moving from a volunteer position into more of helping the world on a bigger scale. And so I didn't really do any of that for the last 10 years. And and so as I was praying and going through my quiet time this last year, and I was reading a book actually uh, called Lead Lead Like Jesus uh, by Ken Blanchett, excellent book for any of your readers out there, a wonderful book. I decided that I really need to get back to my purpose. And so my purpose is to help motivate others to take action, to live a better life and be a, the best version of themselves, which is where the life by design or life designer comes into play. We look at people and we say, okay, I have a 10 step program that helps people. We usually start very simply with the first three. The first one is the gratitude journal that we talk about. Mm-hmm. And I talked about, we also talk about the happiness button. It's a very simple journaling program that I do with people that kind of you know, especially if you're in a fog or a depression, we have to get you out of that. We have to get your mind shut mind shifted. So we talk about um, the happiness button and the journaling. And then the other thing that I did in order to figure um, a little bit of my life journey and my my purpose was I did health and nutrition. And so we talk about health and nutrition and coaching on that. But I have a 10-step program that we walk through people on their mentorship and their life journey. Uh, the podcast, so that's the, the mentoring and the coaching. Um, and that's actually through Pennywise Empowerment Network. Um, so we want to bring people together. We want to let them know that they're not alone. We want to have a one-on-one conversation to see where they're at in their life, what they want to be, what kind of vision they want to have for their life, um, what kind of goals and dreams they have. And then we, we get them on their pathway for the 10-step program and help them through that. The podcast um, is really exciting. It's called The Penny Z Show. And that has evolved actually from what I found out about myself again, about a year, year and a half ago. And that was when I was six years old as a little girl, there was an event that happened to me. My brother got hurt while we were playing outside. And unfortunately, when I went in to get my mom, instead of, I guess, instead of what I perceived was getting help, my mom, you know, yelled at me and, and I perceived it as she blamed me for my brother getting hurt and sent me to my room and mm-hmm. said, I'll deal with you later. And I interpreted that, that situation back then when I was six is I wasn't good enough. I didn't do a good enough job at taking care of my brother. 
And a lot of times you can just kind of drop that feeling. Well, what I discovered in myself is I carried that feeling on for 44 years of my life, which was way too long. And so my life kind of had an up and down roller coaster ride. I would be good at business and then I'd be down at business. I'd be good at finances. I'd be down at finances. I'd be good in relationship. And so I had this roller coaster ride. And what I realized is subconsciously, I was telling myself that I wasn't good enough. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't athletic enough. I wasn't smart enough. I wasn't a good enough girlfriend or wife or whatever that was. And when I realized that about myself about a year and a half ago, I said, no more. I'm not doing this again. As I started to share my story about overcoming my I'm not good enough story, it's almost like everybody has one, Um, but not everybody resonates with it. And so that's really where the Pennywise Empowerment Network came from. And the Penny Z Show is I have guests on that come in that they share their I'm not good enough or less than story, but they talk to my podcast guests and listeners on how to overcome their I'm not good enough story to become I'm better than enough. Wow, that is super powerful, and I love that. Resonates with me a lot because I've been through some of that as well. Of course, right? We never yeah, know. Absolutely. We we never know what those little those little incidents that um that or maybe they're big, but they but that kind of speak into us in a way that we sort of hold on to. And um, I'm interested in this idea. So, like, I've heard some teachers call it agreements. Have you heard that term? Making an agreement. Where it's um, kind of not it's, yet, it's but kind of, maybe a, a version of it. Well, it's kind of interesting, but it's like you you sort of agree that okay, I'm not good enough, right? And then you sort of mm-hmm. have this thing, or it's just making a mental sort of assent to this idea that you then have to break and go, no, that's not true. And I'm, I find that really, um, really kind of powerful. And I think the gospel speaks into that in ways, right? If the Lord has things for us that He was called us to do before the creation of the world, like uh, Ephesians two says then we have to be willing to step into that and, mm-hmm. and you know, let him tell us who we are, um, not just, not just uh, you know, whatever the incidents were in our lives. But yeah, I love that. That's interesting. I'm going to definitely be checking that out. Yeah. And it's passing through fear too. We all have fear in our life. And so part of that is we're, pro- like you were saying, programmed or we have an agreement There's different times in our life and different things where we interpret our circumstances and the way people say or do things Mm -hmm. into our life. And sometimes we're able to drop them and just leave them at that situation. And other times we carry it on. So the person that we are today is because of our experiences in our past. And many times we have to go and look at our past and figure out what triggered that feeling, what triggered that emotion, and be able to work through that to be able to kind of release that in our life, let our, let our walls down and release that to be able to move forward in a different direction and a different mindset. And for me, having that I'm not good enough subconscious mentality all my life and not really knowing it. I mean, first it makes me angry that I didn't know it before yeah, this, right? but I'm happy that I did. You know, now it has released me to look at life and look at the future in a whole different way and to never to never say subconsciously that I'm not good enough anymore and to help other people get through that feeling as well. And there's a lot of us out there that still carry it around, whether it's unworthiness or we're not good enough. There, there's several different phases and words to describe it. Um, but we all have some type of story around that message. Yeah. So give us one strategy for overcoming feeling not good enough. Like what, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I created, well, 
I created the the name of the strategy. I took it from the the firefighters. Um, I actually call it the stop, drop, and roll. So (laughs) for me, when what I have done is I've identified when I am feeling something. So somebody has said something to me, whether it's at work or a family member or something, someone said something and it's triggered anger in you, let's just say. There is something in your past that is causing that anger. So it's familiarity. It's the similar words. It's a similar situation. Something in your past, when that person or that situation comes up, triggers anger from you. So what I do is I call the stop method. So when I start feeling an emotion, I, if you can, not everybody can do it right then and there, but I, I try to stop. Right. And if I can stop, I'll journal. I'll write down what is my feeling? Is it anger? Is it you know frustration? Is it um, insecurity? Is it um, you know um, not thinking? You know whatever yeah. emotion it is, I'll put that down. What happened just then around it? Who was involved? Um, what did they say? What did they do? What was my circumstances? I'll try to journal as much as I can. And then what I do is so I stop. I drop to my knees, so to speak the prayer part of it, right? Because we need to drop. So we need to analyze what that is. So to me, it's about prayer. It's about meditation. And this is the time when you need to go back and reflect on when was the first time in your life that you felt that emotion and what was happening around that, that made you feel that anger. And I, I find that when you stop in that moment, and if you can't stop right in there, write it down and go back that evening and start that journaling, because the longer you wait, the less you have that feeling. So to stop in your path, journal what it is that you're experiencing, and then drop <laughs> prayer, meditate on it, look back, reflect on your past to see what it was that you felt that same experience And then when you identify that experience, you can bring up that emotion and you know why you feel that way. The person who's saying that or the situation that you're in is just a circumstance. It's just a circumstance. If you you look at it as neither good nor bad, neither as an angry situation or as a happy situation, it's just a circumstance. So what's triggering that emotion? And then once you stop, once you drop, and then... When you've identified that, you can release it. And when you release that as part of you know, your prayer ritual, you're giving it up to God, you're giving it up to faith, you're giving it up to um, you know, the universe, and you're releasing that from your being, and you're saying, I'm not going to react or behave or, or feel that way anymore in this situation, then you do what, what you call a stop, drop, and roll. You can roll away from the way that you used to think the way that you used to handle that situation to a new way of thinking, a new mindset, a new purposeful uh, process in dealing with circumstances like that. So that's one of the things that that I work on every day. And, and one of the things that we, we do in our mentoring program in working with people to kind of work on that, um, that mindset in yeah. dealing with situations. I love that. Uh, being aware of your emotions and, uh, I've heard it called, uh, befriending your emotions, right? Being accepting them, knowing that they're there and then digging into them and telling, figure out what they're telling you. Uh, Because contrary to what some people will tell you, your emotions are like a dashboard, right? They'll, they'll tell you something about who you are and what's going Mm -hmm. on. So it's, it's, they're God given and you should absolutely, um, you know, see what they're trying to tell you and ask the Lord. I always recommend that. Mm -hmm. Ask the Lord, what does this mean? And let him interpret it for you because I believe 100% that he'll, he will, share that with you and uh, he'll, he'll lead you if you ask him. 
Oh, I agree. That's where, that's where the drop part of it, you know, uh, whether you physically drop to your knees or, you know, you, you mentally are dropping, that's where the prayer and that's where the, you know, the asking for direction and forgiveness or forgiving yourself or forgiving someone else and working through that, those emotions to be able to, to move on and and live a better life. I love that. Absolutely. All right. Well, friends, I've got links to everything that we talked about today, including Penny's podcast and the books that we mentioned and uh, all of that at halfwaytherepodcast.com and uh, including Penny's website. So Penny Z, you brought it today. Thanks a lot. I appreciate for sharing uh, your story. Will you, uh, do you have any last words for us? Anything you want to share as we, as we say goodbye here? You know, it's just, it's just been an honor uh, and a privilege and, and you're on my gratitudes journal tonight, (laughs) Eric. So you and your, your uh, listeners. So thank you very much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. There we go. Thanks a lot for being here.